Hello everybody and welcome back to the Biff Rugby League podcast here in sort of a week that feels like it's the end of the season so we can relax a little bit but also we're only 10 days away from the opening game of the Rugby League World Cup in terms of the men's competition. It's a bumper episode today, we're going to talk NRL, Super League, Championship, League One, Women's Super League, Wheelchair Rugby League. We're going to uh, mention a little bit on the IMG breakdown because we as a podcast haven't had a real deep chat about that yet. And then we're going to go through Groups A through D of the Men's Rugby League World Cup. Um, Robin, how are you? First of all, sorry. Also, Toby's not here. He's in Mansfield watching the football, so we'll, he's in trouble. But how are you, Robin? <laughs> yeah, I'm good, thanks, mate. I've really enjoyed the uh, like all the finals that we've been able to watch since we were last here talking about them. And like now, it's really exciting because it's no, nobody can see this because we've got no cameras this way. Again, again, yeah. Without without organising it, we've we've both <laughs> we've both sat here in our England rugby league shirt. And not the new ones, not the horrible Saints away kit no. ones. The 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 proper ones, the ones that they should be wearing next Brad's Saturday. Got his, um, yeah, the original one that wasn't, and I've I've got the 2017 one on. Well, look what I've got behind me. You guys won't be. Able to, I've, look what oh, I've there, yeah, I've got, he's got it. I've on got there, mine on my it? chair. I've got my 17 one on my chair. My my one's got the um the the tag in the back. The um. Oh, it's legit. Yeah, it's, the, it's a legit one. I've got a tag in the back. So it's legit. I, I think I bought it off someone off Facebook. So um, so the Biff is like fully <laughs> kitted out for the World Cup now. Like it's it's alive. Yeah. Yeah, so massive. Um, another thing, just before we we move on to some of the serious stuff, um, Issa, one of our players at Bedford Tigers, he won the Middle Eastern African Championships uh, this weekend uh, with Nigeria. So massive congratulations to him. If you're listening, Issa, please bring me back a Nigeria shirt. They are gorgeous. Um, I want one. I want to add it to my wall of shirts. So yeah, that would that would be an awesome yeah. to get some, like a just... rare rugby league shirt like that. Two of the three teams that are on my wall, not including this, uh, the Belgrade one, have won something this year because, um, you know, we'll start with it. We'll start with the wheel. Actually, no, we won't. Um, we're going to, we're going to, before we move into anything, we actually have to, there's some, some sad yeah. news today, isn't there? Um, Adam Walker, at the age of 31, unfortunately, at the time of recording, um, he passed away today, obviously Thursday on the day of, that you'll be listening to this, but today's Tuesday, the 4th of October. And unfortunately, the news today broke that Adam Walker, the former um, Scotland international rugby league uh, prop, uh, passed away today. He's played for Huddersfield, Hockingston Rovers, St Helens, Wakefield, Salford, um, and also was spent loan spells at Barrow and Swinton in the Championship, and was and last played for Lee Centurions. Um, born in Bradford, very very good player. Played 178 games. Uh, between the years of 2010 and 2019, scoring 16 tries and played four times for Scotland. Um, very, very sad news, isn't it? Um, another another death that has hit the world of rugby league, probably when we were least expecting it. Yeah, he played for a lot of clubs, so there'll be a lot of people that will be touched by this news. And yeah, rest in peace, mate. Yeah, and um, thoughts go out to his family. Uh, particularly his brother Jonathan, um, his his twin brother Jonathan, who currently I believe plays. I don't know where he plays now, but he has also played for clubs including Gateshead, Castleford, Hull, Lee, London, Bradford, Dewsbury. Um, a bit a bit of a somber start, but we have to get these things 
um, said because it's it's not nice. We we still don't know how Adam passed. We don't know whether it will be it was accidental. Um, we don't know, and we don't know what it is. But we can just say, and if it, if it is if it is the case of he, if he has taken his own life, which we know sometimes at such a young age men do, we just want to say it's okay to be okay. Um, and for those that have been affected by this, talk to people because Adam no doubt had loads and loads of friends in close-knit circles at all of his clubs. So if people are struggling, don't be afraid to, to just go and talk to people. Absolutely. Um, let, let's move on to a bit more positive news. Uh, we're going we're gonna to start with the wheelchair game and we're going to work our way sort of up the sort of towards the more well-known games within within the super rugby league calendar we've had the last two weeks um the super league the, the wheelchair super league grand final was this weekend robin and leeds lost another grand final <laughs> another one. But, but halifax won it so i don't care you're chuff mate you are chuff just on leeds like i think we have to we have got to like congratulate them even though they've they didn't get the result in two of them but they were in the women's Super League final, the wheelchair Super League final, and the men's Super League final this year. So no, I believe they're also that's... PDRL. Wow. Learning one of either PDRL or LDRL or Learning Disability Rugby League, but also the Academy Grand Final as well. So wow. I think they were in five of the six grand finals this year. Um, and so as a club, I think we, we were going to do a. I was going to do a club of the year sort of award at the end of the season toward like uh, to round off the whole yeah, 2022 um but I, I think i'm gonna have to say now leeds rhinos from as a club not just a team of like one men's team one wins as a whole club i think they have been one of the most successful teams on the pitch but they've also shown what their players and former players have done off the pitch this year to raise money of, of to raise money and raise awareness of loads of things and i think as a club we have to respect what they've done in 2022 yeah, totally. Like we're going to get onto it in a bit about the IMG, but Leeds are definitely showing a blueprint of how to run a rugby league club in all departments. So yeah, definitely they'll be in the um, shortlist to win that club of the year award. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Halifax Leeds um, at the National Basketball Centre, I believe it was in Manchester. This is Sunday just gone. A hundred points were scored in wheelchair rugby league. And if that's not an advert, if, that, if this isn't an advert for going to watch some wheelchair rugby league games, I don't know what is. But Leeds Rhinos forty-eight, Halifax Panthers fifty-two. Um, a stunning first half display included five tries in sixteen minutes to give Halifax a thirty-six ten lead. Um, but with ten minutes to go, Leeds had brought it back to forty-two points apiece. Uh, two tries in three minutes from England international Rob Hawkins. Took his match tally to five alongside eight goals, seemed to have secured facts as the uh, as the as the uh, as the winners. Uh, but Josh Butler, despite a dis dislocated shoulder, uh, went over in the corner from after a Nathan Collins pass, who then nailed a conversion. I think England are world ahead of France going into this rugby league World Cup. I know they say England and France are the are the favourites, but the the passion and the the just the energy that these these two individual teams put on where the majority of our England team are going to be from, I, I can't yeah. wait to watch these guys play. Yeah, they're, they're unreal, aren't they? And I think the, the actual like wheelchair competition has got much more competitive over the years. And that will be re like really good 
for the English teams and the English side because we've got players playing in like regular, really competitive games like this grand final. Um, yeah, it's it's really it's really good to see. Um, and what so so someone had a dislocated shoulder, yeah, and, and played on, and like, still played on, yeah. That is like I feel. I, it, do you know what I feel like? More should have been made of that. I know I know we shouldn't because we should you know we should be prioritizing in player safety. But like quite I, just running up to the World Cup recently, I've been like having chats with people at work and just sort of telling them like, yeah, there's actually three competitions on at once and. One of them's a wheelchair, and they're, they're all like really curious, like, oh, how does wheelchair rugby work? Because it, you think it's a it's a contact sport. How does that work in a wheelchair, like in indoors? But and and so I try to explain how the tags work, but they're still like smash into each other, and it's it's yeah. still a really physical game. And I wish I'd have known that when I was when I was speaking to people like over the last week about it, because that just perfectly shows the risks that are involved, like the dislocated shoulder. Is like quite a, a a painful and like you know violent injury. It's not <laughs> something that you get in in many sports. So yeah, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy. It's it's it was. I don't know if you managed to watch the game itself, but if you haven't, make sure you go back and watch it um, if you can. I think it's uh, on YouTube, and you and you can watch it back. I believe. Um, but phenomenal! What an advert for the game. Massive big up to Halifax. Massive to be a once a panther, always a panther. Like we're yeah. we're just we're on a roll, and maybe maybe if we're lucky, we'll be a category B club with the IMG thing rolls around, and we're one of the higher up ones. Fingers crossed. That's my that's my thing. Um, that's my that's my plans, and that's what's in my head. I'm hoping. Um, well, what now? We're going to move on to women's game. Um, obviously the women's Super League South finished a long, long time ago. Um, unfortunately, the women's super league, one of the women's super league South players of the the, the season, Caroline Colley, was unfortunate not to be selected for England in the England Women's World Cup squad. Uh, just missing out. Obviously, there's still times where injuries could occur to certain players, and she might get called up at, at the last minute and whatever. So there is obviously that possibility. But there is four women of steel in that England. Um, World Cup squad, Georgia Roach, Courtney Winfield-Hill, Jodie Cunningham, and the 2022 Women's Woman of Steel winner is York City Knights' Tara Jane Stanley. Um, I ripped her to pieces two weeks ago for, because I didn't think she played amazingly well in the grand final. And obviously you were there and you kind of accepted the fact that, yes, she's a fantastic player, but she's not necessarily had a wonderful season compared to some of the others in terms of like Sinead Peach and Holly Dodd that you've obviously watched week in, week out. Were you were yeah. you surprised to see uh, Tara Jane Stanley win the the award ahead of some of the other players on that list? I'll, I'll be honest, um, b- because I've not really followed any other teams in the league. I've obviously seen Leeds a few times because of the their success. Um, I I found, I found it hard to know whether she was like like the best player in the league or just the best player in our team because it was obvious that she was one of the strongest players for York. But I wasn't sure where she would come in the overall league. So it's quite interesting to see that she actually is that good to get to be the, the best player in the league. And to me, it, it makes sense. Like, she's she's an all-round player in attack and defence. She's obviously uh, very intelligent, reads the game really well. Um, and she's just, just an all-round player. Like, there's not really any part of the game that I, I could really criticise. Other than in the final, you know, I think I think she did get frustrated, but when it means so much, it's kind of understandable. 
So, yeah, it's hard for me to, to talk about the other players and the other teams. I mean, um, Sinead Peach, like, I know she's been great as well, and Holly Dodd. But I do think that, um, like, they're, they're the sort of players that are absolutely key to success, but they but they don't have the same flair that I see in um, Cara Jane Stanley. So, uh, like, yeah, congrats to her for getting it. I'm super, super proud of York for getting so many names in the running and also getting a lot of um, players in this England squad as well. Um, I just hope that they've got enough to take on um, those players that we've seen in, in the NRLW um, that you were talking up last week. Yeah, there is some... I, I, I didn't watch the um, NRLW Grand Final um, the weekend just gone. I just I just didn't, couldn't get up that early in the morning, I'm afraid. Um, I, 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 was at, I was went to the allotment and I missed the kickoff for the men's Grand Final, so I had to watch that on, on catch-up. And my dad rang me because he was just... He's not bothered about watching it all. And um, he was like, "Oh, you could tell Ashley Klein's, uh, you could tell Ashley Klein's dad used to pay play for Penrith." And I went, "Well, don't ruin anything because it's only twelve nil." And as I said the words twelve nil, they scored their third try, and um, <laughs> I think I stopped watching it after fifty-five minutes because it it was probably one of the worst men's grand finals I've ever seen. But I do want to go back and watch the women's grand final and compare it to the Super League women's grand final, just just off the women's team that they've selected that. Um, that Craig Richards had selected a 24-player squad for the World Cup. I've I've selected my predicted women 17, and I think there's only maybe one or two names that for yourself who doesn't necessarily watch every game may not have heard of. Mm. I've I've gone yeah. Tyra Jane Stanley at fullback. You've got Leah Burke and Caitlin Beavers on each wing. Fran Goldthorpe and Amy Hardcastle at centre. Uh, Georgia Roach alongside Courtney Winfield Hill in the halves. Uh, Tyra Jones at hooker with Daniel Anderson and Grace Field at prop. Olivia Wood and Emily Rudge in the second row with Jodie Cunningham at loose forward. Then on the bench, we've got Shona Hoyle, Holly Dodd, Kira Bennett and Zoe Hornby. I mean, they're all names that I've heard and watched and over the last, even the, since the, like, the playoffs started, but particularly the whenever the games have been on telly, they're names I've heard the commentators say continuously, mm. always sort of making efforts and putting in big shifts. I mean, there's... Daniel Anderson, Grace, uh, Gracefield and Zoe Hornby, we all know can play big minutes and we've seen them play big minutes. The fact that you've got the three of them in that squad in order to play shorter, more effective minutes, I think is going to be where we might win the games. But it's just whether or not we've got the halfbacks and the backs to compete against the halfbacks and the backs of the likes of like the like the Newcastle Knights women's players. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see. Like, like you said, there's all these like stars of each club um, and it, it's yeah, it's gonna be really cool to see how they all sort of like fit in together, and just like it's gonna be a really good way for us to measure up against against the NRLW because I, all of these players that we're we're listing play in our competition right now. Yeah. So it it literally feels like the Super League Dream Team versus the NRLW. Dream team. Yeah. 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 So that'll be really cool to see. Yeah, I don't think there's any players in the Australian squad that have played in this tournament. And I don't think there's any players in this squad, other than Courtney Winfield-Hill, that have played over in Australia. So it'll be very, really interesting to see. Um, because we've got so much to talk about, I don't, I don't want to get stuck on one thing. So we're going to move really swiftly on yep. to League, League One. Just We'll run through the playoffs really quickly. Obviously, Toby's not here to talk about how New North Wales Crusaders fucked up again. 
Um, I'm, I'm dropping f bombs now. I'm we're, we're not, <laughs> we have we've sort of moved on a little bit. Um, we've we've had four in a row, I think. So I'm not I'm not so. We need a swear. <laughs> yeah, we do. We should probably get one of them. Um, obviously the qualifying and elimination playoffs. North Wales lost to Doncaster. Rochdale then beat Oldham. So Oldham were out. Unfortunately, in the first week, that meant Swinton, who finished second in the table, played Doncaster, and then Rochdale played North Wales. Rochdale beat North Wales, so North Wales were out. Uh, the Rochdale won, which meant they went into the preliminary final. Doncaster, who lost one of the semi-finals, were the highest-ranked team to lose, so they went into the preliminary final. Um, Swinton Lions, who won their semi-final, went straight to the playoff final. Doncaster hammered Rochdale 52 points to 20 and then Swinton played Doncaster again in the promotion playoff semi-final having only played two weeks before and beaten Doncaster 32-12 I was very confident Swinton would go into this game and win quite comfortably Swinton 16 Doncaster 10 um, over only 1086 people in attendance um, at Hayward Road um, and yeah, it was it was a very nice game actually. It was um, I just enjoyed watching it and sounds like it Swinton maybe a nervous game. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Doncaster. Well, one thing I'd like to say. Go on. Sorry. Um, I was kind of I was kind of hoping that um, Doncaster might get the upset just because of. Connor Robinson's there at the moment and, and he was at York and sort of like helped us get out of League One and up into Championship. So yeah. there was a little bit of me that was like fancy that storyline of him helping another club like leading the way and getting them out of um, League One as well. Yeah. But I yeah. think I think um, Swinton were like the better team all year and probably deserved it. Yeah, there's some players at uh, Doncaster that you're like, oh, I didn't know they played there. Um, Sam Smeaton's there, Jason Talley's there, uh, Watson Boas is there, alongside uh, Missy Talapapa's there, Ross Peltier's there, um, Ryan Boyle's there, he's a, a prop that's um, played for Salford, Cass, Halifax uh, in, in the top league, so it's just, just some players that I didn't know that played in, in that Doncaster team, so obviously a league one side with ageing players, but the Swinton team had just been relegated. Uh, and they've got a few internationals in their team. They've got Mike Butt, Richard Lapori, Rodri Lloyd, all going to the World Cups. Uh, Lewis Charnock's in that side as well. Uh, a young team, but also quite an experienced type side. So the fact that they've been relegated and gone straight back up is is really good for them as a team. They're just trying to hope they can stay there now, right? Yeah, definitely. And like the other thing is like, wow, Keithley dropped the ball on that one, didn't they? An unbeaten season and. To get knocked out of the playoffs, Keith, not even get. No, Keithley were promoted automatically. Oh, um, right. but North North Wales having finished third, and obviously Swinton finishing second were promoted. Fair enough, both top teams were promoted, but I think North Wales will be the most disappointed side out of those those three teams right now. They would have. Re I, I thought this was their year to go up, and I think at the start of the year we were we were all I mean an R and about okay, what's so if they go up, what's happening to West Wales sort of thing, but. We've, we've, yeah, we're in that um, position now where they're both still in the same division. I feel like they they like came undone right at the end of the year as well because they were second place and like yeah chasing down Keefley weren't they? And 
Yeah, they just fell off. Like they've lost, they lost twenty six twelve to Doncaster. I don't know. I mean, I know Doncaster finished fourth, but you compare the names I mentioned at Doncaster to some of the names I'm just about to mention out North Wales. Tommy Johnson's there. Rob Massam's there. Brad Billsborough's there. Uh, Callum Hazard's there. They've got Patrick Arvan. Um, so yeah, they're they're a decent team, but then obviously they've just. I think what what maybe knocked them down was the fact that Anthony Murray. Um, was announced to be leaving, and he's now at Workington, and Workington have obviously been relegated, so they're going to come up against him next season, and I think that might have sort of maybe kicked them in the teeth a little bit, and they felt a little bit like, oh, I can't believe that's happened. Yeah, yeah. So it's a little, a little bit, um, a little bit of a disappointing end to the season for North Wales, but I think they're going to go into next season very, very upbeat and happy with. How they've got on, if that makes sense. Mm. I think for for next year they're going to be very very impressed. I'm just trying to click my screen so I can get the championship season open. Here we go. Move on to the championship. I and mean, it was Batley put up a hell of a fight, didn't they? Like they've just won. Yeah. They put up such a good fight against Lee. Like the first versus fifth, sixteen points between. I think it might yeah, sixteen points between the two teams in the league. They. They just they got beat forty four twelve, but Lee had just come off back the back of beating York seventy points to ten. Which I watched that game, and I didn't think it was as bad as that. <laughs> like, I didn't remember it being that bad. Obviously York, had, I think they had just had their grand final the week before against Halifax, and you mentioned that yeah. you, you were like, we think we've that was the peak of our season. But Batley beat Barrow. They then beat Fev again for the second time of the season. And I don't think any of us predicted that. Um, no. I'm just going to go back and have a look and see if any of us predicted. I mean, Toby uh, might have tried no, at the point. No, no, no well, he didn't. We, we, all went, we all went Lee Fev and we were expecting a Lee Featherston grand final. And yeah. I think we predicted that earlier in the season as well, didn't we? We all went, okay, Lee or Fev, one of them's going to finish top of the table. I think we, we were right with Halifax finishing third. We had a shocker with Newcastle. They finished down in 12th. Um, but we need to obviously we'll go back later on in the year and we'll have a look at how the championship lined up with how we thought it would line up mm, yeah um like I, I i like watched parts of this game and um like this Bartley side they, they are really dangerous when i've watched them play at york I, yeah. i've actually think i think they've they've gone a little bit like underrated this year i think because we've had like such a strong lead team like right at the start of the year it was all about Featherstone. Obviously they, they sort of like slipped away from Lee a little bit and got close to that third place. Yeah. But, but like and so we've sort of not really been speaking about like the the other teams in the league that are still really, really strong and Batley being the main one. Yeah. Um I think that they're gonna be chuffed with how this year's gone and like like I'm 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 happy for them. I think it's good that we've got like a different team up there and and challenging and um, hopefully they'll be able to sort of like, you know, like trade off this, and it, it sort of sends a message out of like, take it seriously, and players will maybe think, yeah, all right, I'll sign for them. That in the past maybe would have been looking to sign for like Featherstone or something. Yeah. So yeah, like like as much as you know, I I don't want to get too much into it, but I I don't like that Lee's going up and and be taken out to lose. Yeah, I don't. And I, I'm not super happy about that, but I, I can I can take from this season that the championships thrown up some surprises, 
um, and it's felt reasonably competitive below the first two places. So I feel like it's it step in the in the right direction, and and I don't know, maybe maybe it's a good. This is a good um, example. This season is a good case study of why we should maybe have a fourteen team Super League because yeah. imagine how exciting the championship would have been without the two clubs at the without top. Those two. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Um, quickly on, on Craig Lingard, obviously one of the coaches of the year, if not the coach of the year for the championship, in, in my personal opinion. I, when speaking to Premier Sports after the final, after they after they lost, he said, um, obviously most seasons, they don't have a lot of financial power. Um, and he when he asked about could they build again and earn promotion next year, he, t- he spoke to Premier Sports and he said, we never say never, we're realistic in what we've got and what we haven't got. Our budget is probably second lowest in the championship and that's not going to change next year. Keithley have come up and they're already recruiting well. So we're starting behind the eight ball for next year compared to what other teams are spending and recruiting. I've still not got a budget for next year. He still doesn't have a budget for what he can and can't spend next season. And obviously that's made it very, very hard for him and his teams to prepare for 2023. Um, It's been trying to start for the last three months or so. We'll have a sit down in the next week and try and work out where we are financially and we'll recruit accordingly. Making matters worse is the fact that Lingard confirmed that a number of players would be leaving the club, including some of their strike players and pivots. We're going to lose a few, quite a few of our strike players and pivots who have gone to other clubs. One of those players is likely to be Luke Hooley, um, who could potentially be on his way to Leeds. I don't know if anything's been confirmed uh, on that yet. Um, I'm just trying to see if it has. But what have you what have you thought of the way he's played this year? And do you think he could easily step up and make a difference? Yeah, honestly, he's a great player. He he probably is. What like the most underrated player in championship because you never hear anybody mention anything about him, but I, I think he's been a standout for Batley for quite a few seasons and um, he's, he's like like a big, healthy, um, like you know athletic build, yeah, like like tall, like he's got a good reach, um, like perfect shape to be a fullback, like to challenge for kicks, um, in attack he's dynamic. He sort of reminds me a, a little bit of. Um, a Sam Tompkins, like current Sam Tompkins style fullback with yeah. that sort of like, um, like long, <laughs> gangly legs and like just just like wrong foots defenders all the time, and he's like quite explosive. So yeah, I, I I'm um, I, I'll be interested to see how he goes in Super League. I, I I do think he can he can hold his own actually. So whoever signs him, I think they've they've um, done, they've done a good deal there. Yeah, 100%. I think Batley have already sort of signed his replacement in Elliot Hall. Very, very good work when he played for Coventry, obviously now the um, the Midlands Hurricanes. But a massive, massive job that Elliot Hall's done. Played really well for Workington. He's played very well for Batley when he has played. Um, they've also got Wayne Retty, Kieran Buchanan, Johnny Campbell, Ben White and Tom Gilmore in the halves have been unbelievable. Two really good hookers in Alistair Leak and Ben Kay. The back row that they've got of Dane Manning, Lucas Walshaw and Aaron Brown, by the way, that is not a back row that you want to mess with. I mean, the Sidlow and Amon and that for Lee were struggling to handle just the sheer brutality of that back row. And the fact that they're able to finish tries off in the likes of Johnny Campbell it mm. is, is phenomenal for them. I think they're definitely a team we need to look at next year and go, okay, we can't underestimate them, but we also need to be realistic about whether or not they've, they're going to replace the players they're going to have lost. Um, 
we spoke about Barrow being in dreamland very much early on at the start of the season. They they started unbelievably well in the championship, but it sort of fell apart. A T. Ritson, another player that is likely to be leaving them, Hakim Maludi will be going to France. So there's some players there that they're going to lose, and it was whether or not you think they can replace them. On T. Ritson, is he another player that you see taking the step up to the champion uh, up to the Super League this season? Um. I'm not sure. I mean, I, I don't think he's got the, the size. I don't think, the, like, physically he's um, a very big player, is he? But um, skill-wise, he's, he's, he's definitely there. It's difficult to call. We've got quite a lot of, like, good, dependable fullbacks in, in Super League. I, I mean, perhaps he's a good, like, backup to have. Um, but at this stage... I don't know. I think he's. I think he's the championships where he should stay because he'll get game time, um, you know, and a chance to sort of like develop. I, I fear that if he goes to Super League, he'll spend a lot of time um, on the sidelines or out on loan and not be able to build any sort of good form. Yeah, very much reminds me of sort of Matty Ashton in yeah. terms of how he was thrown into the depths in that Warrington team. Yes, he he's obviously a very fast player and he plays very well. And when he's in open space, he's never going to get caught. But it's whether or not he's able to put, handle the game physically when he's under pressure yeah. and obviously there's nowhere for him to go and he has to run into space. Or he has to run into people rather than space, sorry. Um, yeah. We're going to mention it later on, uh, the IMG stuff and the categorizations and everything else. Um, and before, So before we move on to Sleeper League, I'm going to bring up this question popular with rugby league agents and what people have said and we don't we don't know the how the clubs are going to be categorized into a b's and c's as yeah. a york fan you're hearing york being mentioned as one of the favorites to be a top tier club come 2025 obviously you've got your nice new ground we know that the club financially is probably improving year on year just because they're, they've, they've shown that they're sustainable on the pitch and usually if a club is sustainable on the pitch they're usually more sustainable off the pitch as well there's not too much chopping and changing from year to year in terms of on the field off the field obviously you bring a lot of names in but the names that are, are not necessarily replacing people how do you feel with your with york being a potential favorite for the top tier when everything gets sorted in 18 months time I don't, I, obviously, like if if I if I speak with my heart, that would be mint. I'd love to have a Super League team in York, and I I do think that if we had a Super League team, that more people would go. I think um, like it it would attract more people. But having said that, you know we, we've we've never had it before, so it's all yeah. unknown. There's a lot of people in York that are into rugby league, but they've sort of grown up being. Leeds fans or Cast fans and they've sort of like found other ways to, to watch the Super League and the, do you know what I mean there's way way more rugby league fans in York than there are people who go and watch the Knights yeah, so I, it, it worries me because I'd hate to see us promoted too early and like you know like a burn our candle out of both ends and, and then end up with no money and like it all go terribly wrong and we get do you know what I mean? Not only for yeah. York's point of view, but for the Super League's point of view as well. So, I, I think a lot of people out there throw York's name around as if it's it's the answer. Um, 
but I don't. Th- I I genuinely, this city is not ready for a Super League team. Um, we we just need a f- a few more years of champion. I don't know. Maybe the success will bring people in, but it's a big gamble, and I don't think we've got too many mistakes like that we're going to be able to make when we restructure the Super League and stuff. I don't I don't like the idea of taking a gamble on York. I, I, definitely one day it's it's a potential and, and maybe if, if like we got to a stage where the Super League was opened up to like I think I think 14 makes sense at the moment maybe in another five ten seven years or something we open it up to 16 and then York becomes a, t- a team that I think could have a shout but right now unless you unless you want to like pick up the like another club and dump it in York and try and bring everyone over. It's just, I don't think we've got the fan base to support it. Yeah, no, I get you. I get that. Obviously, yeah, some, but... some some good news for York in terms of a couple of your players, both Jack Teenby and uh, Ronan Michael selected to represent um, but Scotland and Ireland respectively at their World Cups. And you've just signed Ronan Michael on a permanent deal. Very, very good for your forward pack, isn't it? Yeah, we, the forwards are pretty. We've got quite a good forward pack, and it's good to see them like getting re-signed and, and picking up new people. Um, yeah, and we've got some World Cup players. We would have also had um, Hingano as well if if he was fit. Um, yeah. God, I can't remember what team he would have played for, but we would have had a few. We would have had a few World Cup representatives, which is like a good sign that we've got a, a competitive team. Yeah, for some reason I thought Brendan O'Hagan was named in the Islands team. But oh yeah, you're right. That's has right. He, has yeah, he been, he is. Has, is he in the Islands team? I can't see. Him on, I can't see him on the team. list. Why can't I see oh. him on the list? He's not. On well, the, he... He's not on the list that I've got. But he was on the list that I'm sure I wrote yeah. down the other day. I'm sure I saw his name in the Island squad for the thingy. I don't know why it's not here. Why is it not on there? I've got to find it now and just make sure. Yeah, I can't see it on the on the World Cup. Oh yeah, no, I can. Brendan O'Hagan, I can see him. Is there. he there? Oh, he's not on the the whole live website. Needs an update then, because I'm using that list and he's not on there. I mean, I don't, I don't know if he'd play though in that halfback partnership alongside Luke Keary and Joe Keys, though, would he? Yeah, you've got Luke Keary, <laughs> Joe Keys, um, and, and like Richie Myler as well. I think he'll probably play fullback, but yeah, probably. Um, yeah, I, I I think I doubt he'll make it. But he's, he's, he is a good player. He probably would hold his own. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, I, think, yeah. I think that's a very strong... Oh, I mean, we, we'll mention it well, later on, but overall, I think that's, yeah. a, that's a very nice Ireland team and we'll, we'll dive into it a bit later on. Um, Super League time before we move on to the NRL. Did we, did, have we spoke about the grand final since... since oh, we haven't. Time? We, we haven't. hardly even like built up to it last we did, week yeah, either, we, did we? We didn't build up to it too There's weeks so ago. much going on. We didn't build There's up like, to it There's hardly any games. There's um, so much to talk about. So you predicted it would be Leeds 24-22. Uh, uh, Toby predicted it Leeds would win um, 12 points to 4. And I predicted Saints 18 points to 10. Um, when I was there on the day, I, I met... Uh, Pat Wilson, the, the former Bedford Tigers rugby league head coach, um, and he's a he's a massive Saints fan, and we were like near the Saints end and everything, and we saw we got there really early. We saw the players coming in. We saw Jack O'Neill on his Instagram. We saw Alex Wormsley down on pitch side. So many famous rugby league names and faces taking pictures with everyone. Uh, I bumped into Tony Sutton, the CEO of the Rugby Football League, before I entered. That was really nice. Um, cool. So yeah, it was it was really nice to catch up with him in person again. Um, 
But I tell you what, there there were so many people there built up. But I said, I'm gonna, I sat down and I said, what do I think the score's going to be? And I couldn't remember what I'd said on the podcast. Um, and I said, I knew it was eight points, but I couldn't remember if it was 18, 10 or 24, 16. So I said, oh, I think it's going to be 24, 16 to Saints. And I was so close to refer yeah, to be was... 20. Like, I'd have loved it to be an eight point margin and got an extra bonus point and caught up with you by a point. But the <laughs> fact that I got the 24 points right, I was well happy. Um, yeah. We need to talk about it though, don't we? That was probably one of, let's talk about also how good Saints are. Let's talk about how Leeds capitulated, but can we also talk about how there was a definite yellow card had to be given in that final, and it wasn't given? The, Go the, on, remind me. The, ta- the Reese Martin tackle. Oh yeah, where yeah, that was. He picks. He picks. I think it's Lomax. It is. It was. Yeah, it was Lomax. He gets That's Lomax. Right. He lifts his legs over his hips, which is automatically above the horizontal, and then he just drops him, and then he lands on top of him with his forearm. Like you, you play that back in the stadium, and yeah, I was on the Saints side, so it's probably going to be a little bit louder. But I reckon even if I was in the Leeds end, I would have heard the chance of off, off, off. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it was obviously. I don't know if it was picked up over the TV, uh, over on the telly. But I watched that back with the TV with the commentary, and I know sometimes we say, "Oh, the commentators they chat rubbish and whatever." <laughs> they, they've not not all of them have played the game before, or they haven't played the game in so long. The game's changed and stuff, but. We could yeah. look at that and go, that was a definite yellow card, but it hasn't been given as a yellow card because it's a grand final. Any other round of the year, that's a yellow. In the first five rounds of the season, that would have been a red card. Absolutely. And this is what's really confusing is, it's almost like the the like, the like referees, the RFL, whoever it is, they know that it's wrong to give it as a yellow card earlier in the year but they do it because they're thinking we need to prove a point. Like we need to make a stance. We need to change these players because, and, and the reason I'm saying that is because when it gets to a game where everybody's watching, it's not about how the season's going to progress. It's literally like the last game of the year, the biggest game of the year. There's the most on the line for all the players and the clubs and the fans. Yeah. They decide to, to say that for the best interest of this game, that's not a yellow card. Like, yeah. Do you know? And so that's, and that's really how it should be refereed in every single game. And then the the purpose of the match review panel is to say, is like, oh, whatever the whatever they called, the disciplinary team is to say, you've had a, quite a few, um, almost like a lot of penalties, almost yellows, and it's becoming dangerous. And that's when they step in and then they try and change a player's behaviour. I don't know if punishment's the right way, but you know what I'm saying. Rather yeah, than the definitely. referees like impacting a, a game for the for the purpose of the whole season, play, yeah. like referee the game as if nothing's come before and nothing will come after and just the game alone. That's what they did in the grand final. And actually I think I preferred that they didn't give the yellow because um you, you want it, you want it to be thirteen on thirteen, don't you? And then, it, then that, in that sense, yeah, as well. and it wasn't like yes, by the letter of the law, it was dangerous, it was wrong, it was definitely a penalty, but it didn't need to be a yellow card. Do you know, I don't think it was. Yeah, that, I get you. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, it's frustrating because I watched that. I watch it, and I'm I probably was a bit biased towards Leeds. I wanted I just wanted an upset. They're a Yorkshire club, 
But even I was sat there thinking he's very like we're lucky to get to not have a yellow card. Like, it was sort of like a if <laughs> if this was the other way around, then I'd be screaming at the TV saying that's not fair because Saints are winning. And obviously, do you know what I mean? But because it was yeah. the underdog, it. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's only six nil at the time. Mm. Obviously, they they go on to lead twelve nil, and then it's like okay, then the then um, ben, Benley, I think, oh, the amount of abuse. I, I'd be so, I, I'm not going to apologise. That I was I was shouting so many obscenities at James Bentley because yeah. he was awful. He was so bad in that game. He he! I single-handedly, if they have someone else playing that role instead of James Bentley, they probably have a better game. Yeah. Like even if yeah. uh, Adam Cuthbertson's playing this weekend against New Zealand, if they could have had him in there, he'd have played a better game. Like, and it's not—he doesn't even play second row. I just I think know, he's such a liability. He is. Like, and it—it's been going on for so long. It's like you must have been told, like. There's no yeah. way your coaches haven't sat you down and gone through this like a hundred <laughs> times. Yeah. How do you not understand? How, why do you keep doing it? What's wrong with you? Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? It's it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, I just I think we just need to have a look at that and go. Okay, are we either need to referee every single game of the season like that, or we need to referee every single game of the season like you're refereeing it in round one and then slowly show improvements during the season and explain why decisions are being made now that they weren't earlier in the year. But you have to be obviously fair on each team and everything else. Um, I think James Bentley missed 10 games with bands this season. Reese Martin probably wasn't far behind. Morgan Knowles just picked up another band, but it doesn't matter because he just won't play against Fiji this weekend and he'll be fine for the World Cup. Those bad, yeah. we, That's another thing we're going to have to talk about as well. Um I think yeah. next next week when we come into speaking about the World Cup and we speak about how many players are banned and how many players are going to miss games, like the way the Wales team is looking quite weak due to the amount of players they have one injured or two now picked for an, another nation or three yeah. banned. Like the Wales team has no, um, so I, I can't think who's missing from. There's an Australian. There's a player that's played for Australia who's missing. Um, I forgot his name now. Why is it not there? Plays for Newcastle. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Tyson Frizzell is not playing. Oh. Uh, Bradman Best, I believe, is not playing. And there's, and Gil Dudson's not playing. I mean, you add those three players into that Wales squad and it's automatically, okay, they might, they might make it out of the group here. Yeah, because they've yeah, got the definitely. talent, but they now don't have those players available to them. And you're looking at going, okay, where's the Wales players that you we were looking at that that he can play for have got? And you go, oh bloody hell, they're that's a phenomenal team mm, if they can select yeah. everyone. Obviously, Morgan Knowles playing for England, so you, you look at that and go, okay, that's a bit unfortunate. He's obviously too good now, um, but it's just absolutely crazy. NRL Grand Final time. I said it earlier on. One of the worst Grand Finals I've ever seen. Oh, I actually have to disagree with you on this because I don't. I don't think it was a bad grand final because, like, both teams played really well. Like, even though Parramatta were were getting thrashed, I think I don't think they did much wrong. I think they were playing okay. I just think it was an, a masterclass in how to win a grand final. Like that first thirty minutes from Penrith was just unreal they didn't put a foot wrong they did everything right like 
I I really enjoyed watching how they just it, they they didn't they didn't like obviously they smashed them like they were big yeah. and strong like their their front rowers were were like absolutely like wreaking havoc in the in the middle of the pitch. Oh, yeah. and like the the oh, it was just per, it was just literally perfection like I I I thoroughly enjoyed it I think that Penrith side of of like set the standard of of grand final performances and um obviously they got a few things wrong but yeah i i i, I loved it watching like they they were like um you know you know on the last tackle when it tells you like meters gained yeah and it, literally every set was like 60 meters 45 yeah. meters 50 meters it was a like, big number wasn't you it? can't you can't beat that like there's no way that you're getting any field position when you when that's what you're defending against. No, no way. It's, yeah, it's crazy. Um, I just want to shout out the fact that Parramatta Eels lost two grand finals that day. Um, shout out to the NRLW <laughs> Knights that beat them in the grand final. Um, absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Parramatta just can't get a win on a fight in a grand final. Um, before we move on to sort of okay, who was obviously Dylan Edwards winning Clive Churchill, Nico Hines won there. Dali M medal over there. Neither of those players in the Australia World Cup team. Shock. Can't bloody believe. The two of the best players in their positions in that league and neither of them have been selected because James Tedesco's the Australia captain. Like, I feel absolutely... Yeah. I've, I feel for Nico Hines and I also feel for Scotland because he, he's not playing for Scotland either because he's one of the travelling reserve, one of the three travelling reserves that Australia have chosen to take as well. So if there's any that's injuries true. before the World Cup, Nico Hines is called up. Like, that's crazy. That's ridiculous that he's not playing for them. Um, actually, yeah. it's crazy. Um, but before we move on to sort of breaking down how many of those NRL finalists are not going to play for Australia or play for other countries, Happy Coruscant. Yeah, you're not going to be happy with him, are you? What a dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you... <laughs> That's oh that reminds me. Um we were walking back from Old Trafford and towards um up towards like Media City Way because we were going to Lime Bar to get a drink. Um nice. he um there was these kids singing What Do We Think of Leeds? Right? <laughs> and and they were they were singing it properly. And their parents were around them and they were singing it. So what do we think of Leeds beep? What do we think of beep Leeds, right? And then we were, we were all like Leeds scum. Like they were singing it, right? And I thought it was, let me, I was giggling the whole way. Um, and then they were singing, um, they were singing Saints of One Four in a row. Um, all, and they were singing Super Jackie Wellsby. But I, after they sang the What Do We Think of Leeds, they just turned around and went, no swearing, lads, no swearing. <laughs> not swearing, not swearing. I was like, oh, brilliant. Um, but no, I mean, I'm going to play it. Now the sound clip of Api Corusau, so those that have um, those that are listening and know that are watching can hear it. Um, yeah. But I don't know if you won't be able to hear it, Robin. But you'll have you'll have see you'll have listened to it, right? So you know what's about to happen. Yeah. So I'll play it now. He goes. It's pretty. So he's been asked about how it feels to go out as a grand final winner at Penrith, um, and he answers it, and he goes. Uh, it's really special to go out and like say like that. It's really good to go out, go out on a high, and I can't wait to do it with the Tigers. And then laughs. <laughs> <laughs> like I get it. It's funny. 
It's hilarious. It is funny. Um, but what makes it even funnier is the West Tiger's response to it. So the Wests have responded. Um, where is it? There's... They haven't. Have they, have they come out and actually made a response? The West, let me find it. I think they come out and someone said about how, oh, it doesn't matter. He's, so he's been slammed for his content. Oh, West Tigers Lee Haji Pentelis clips Api Korosawa's move from Pan Panthers mocked by Star. Okay, it's he's two million pound switch. So it's two million. It's, I think it's oh. three years. I think it's three years and then a two-year club option. So he's got potentially five years at the West Tigers, right? So he's um, <laughs> all right. Um, so he's and then the players in the background have mocked him, saying last ones don't get those at the Tigers while he's winning. All right, so they rip into him on his way out of the club. His teammates are allowed to rip into him, which is fine, but he's obviously not allowed to rip into his new club. That's obviously not allowed. Um, Haji Pantelis, who I don't even know what his role is at the West Tigers. Uh, oh, he's the chairman of the 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 Wooden Spooners. Thanks for reminding me. Um, <laughs> said Corusau uh, should have handled the situation better. They reached out to Appy's management, and the matter has been dealt with privately. Appy is a thoroughly decent person, and if he had his time again, he think I think he'd rethink those comments. He couldn't have played any better than he did here. Oh, this is uh, sorry the. Panthers group executive Brian Fletcher. He couldn't have played any better than he did here, so I don't know he'll play any better there to win a title. Good luck to them. It's a new season next year. Everyone dreams about winning it. All I know is we'll be competitive again. You'd love to keep Abby. Who wouldn't you? He's in the same. He's it's the same as Viliami Kikau. You'd love to keep him, but the figures don't allow you to because their value goes up so much when you win a comp. Um, the controversy came after a drama-filled aftermath of the grand final. After the MRO opened an investigation into Jerome Luai for a deleted social media post and James Fisher-Harris sparked criticism when he told Penrith fans, I just want to say, para are our sons, right here, right now, that's a fact. And the fans started yelling out, we hate para. Um, <laughs> these, these, these Penrith Panthers are very bad losers, aren't they? But bad winners, you mean? Sorry, very bad winners, yeah. Yeah, um, they are. Yeah, but as... There's, there's also another thing. Isaiah Papali um, has publicly questioned honouring the contract he signed last the November at the Tigers. He has confirmed he will make the move while acknowledging how difficult it was knowing he won't have a chance to atone for the grand final loss with his with his Eels teammates. Not not atone for the grand final loss at all, but just with his East teammates. He says it's going to make him hungry. I definitely want to be back in this position to get the chance to go out on top again. That's footy. You've just got to move on. Tomorrow's a new day. I'm happy these two lads are coming in, but I just hope they bring a little bit more positive mental attitude towards the group because it's what the Tigers need at the moment. They need players that want to win and not just players that are there for the money yeah that it's a really bad sign and it we've said it before but wow that that's like it's it's like we see we're finally seeing what we all thought was true do you know what i mean like yeah it's it's a, it's a, a literal unignorable um proof that players are just going there for the money and the, and the, you'd like to be you'd like to be fortunate enough to be able to say, actually, that's not good enough. And as a club, we don't want players coming here with that attitude because we want to win. We we want winners. We want positive people that want to be here. Yeah. And maybe that would 
in the long run like reinforce their stance and they wouldn't attract players like this. But the truth is you can't really afford to let go yeah. of Corsal. He, he's a great player. You know what I mean? Like you you've signed in two grand finalists at the end of this year. Yeah. And Luke Brooks is set to make more than a million dollars in twenty he's meant to make one point one million. So we're not going to be getting rid of him, are we, this season? No. So yeah, it's it's a shame. I, I do feel for you. And when I saw that, I knew I knew you'd be absolutely. Beautiful. I was livid. I watched it today <laughs> multiple times, just like back to back to back. I was like, "What? The, yeah. What have we done? Like, what? Why have we signed these lads? Yeah. Like, I think think though, like, how awkward would it be to end up training and like all your teammates, all your new teammates are like, "Oh, nice to meet you." <laughs> and yeah. everybody knows that you've said that already like yeah exactly it's not a good way to start no it? no I mean I think we're quite lucky with the players that have left the club um, this year that, and then that are leaving Luke Garner's going to Penrith which is a shame he's probably the one of the ones that I wasn't particularly looking forward to see leaving Luciano Lelou has gone to North Queensland Cowboys but he's just been um, he's being investigated for apparent domestic assault charge so I'm glad he's out another of the one. club another one yeah um, Jacob Liddell has gone to St George Jock Madden going to Brisbane Thomas McKayley has gone to Warrington as we know James Roberts retired and Kelma uh, Tuolangi has gone to Manly Seagulls those that have re-signed are Sean Bloor Asu Kapoa Brent Naden Joe Offengawi Stafford Toa Brandon Tamuth Alex Twall, and then off contract, William Kay, Henry O'Kane, Tommy uh, Talao, and James Tamo. I'm quite happy with how the sort of the club's looking at the moment, but the fact that Luke Brooks is on 1.1 million and Jackson mm. Hastings is on like 500k is is so disappointing. It's so yeah. disappointing. Like we you still want to got... keep all the Hastings, really, don't you? Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, future, not Brooks. Yeah, Brooks is not the future of the club. Um, I think the team is in a better position going into 2023 as it was going into 2022. Uh, potentially still got Gildart, we've got Hastings, um, obviously Coruscant coming in, Dane Laurie if he can stay injury th free. He's only on 300k a year only, I wish. Uh, Mamalo obviously still there. Naden came in this year, he's on a four-year deal, so he's going to be there a long time. David Nofaluma, even though he spent the end of the season at Melbourne, um, he's still on. He's still got three years on his contract. Offer Hengawi, Papalihi, uh, um, Peachy's still there. Safar Simkin, Simkins, not the same person. Stafford Toa, and Alex Twal, and then um, Stefano Utukamanu. He's still there as well. It's quite a nice sort of one to thirteen. But other than that, it's still p piss poor, isn't it? Yeah. Well... <laughs> We'll have to have a proper dive in and, and see. Yeah, we'll if, keep... like comparing against the other teams in the league, and like I, I hope for your sake that they can get rid of the wooden spoon for next year. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I really hope we can move up and finish. You know, at least tenth next year. It'd be absolutely fantastic. Um, that's the end of our NRL roundup, and that's um sort of where we're going to come to the end of our roundup section. It's taken us fifty five minutes to round up all the league. But IMG time, um, I put the notes in in our group chat. I was listening to the BBC Five Live podcast. So if you want to get your head around more of what the IMG reimagining consultation project sort of announced, it's very, very good to go and listen to to that podcast. Um, so this is what I've read from this. The major points are for the top league, certainly Super League, 
Um, no loop fixtures, no Magic Weekend. The Challenge Cup final will be back to May. And the Challenge Cup round six, where the Super League side enters, will be both home and away double header. Uh, so every team in round six will play at least one home game. No more overseas teams apart from the two that we already have in Toulouse and Catalans. Um, if one of them drops out, I think we are allowed to get another one. I think it was no more than two. Um, we who, but both Toulouse and Catalans have to travel the tra cover the travel costs of the teams in their league, and they have to have a minimum number of French players in their squad. Uh, the new structure, which is obviously category A, B, and C clubs, with all category clubs safe from relegation, and in the highest level or ranked or however they decide to do it, category B clubs joining the top tier, with the rest then making up the uh, the championship, the highest ranked. Uh, C clubs making up the championship and then the rest of the C clubs making up League One. All three leagues look like they're set to be 12 teams, which is quite nice. Um, mm. So you'll leave Super League at 12, which it already is. Um, the championship will drop down to 12, which means two teams will drop down to League One. And in one of those League One teams, I believe it will be West Wales are likely to drop out because you can't have an uneven number of teams in those leagues. That structure is likely to be in is is set to be a hundred percent in by the twenty twenty five season. So twenty twenty three and twenty twenty four. Twenty twenty three will be the teams we know that are in it now. Twenty twenty four will be the last year that we get all the grade A, B, and C finished. And then twenty twenty five will be the hundred percent restructured league. Uh, I'm saying top tier because it looks like the Super League will be rebranded. Um so yeah, it's very, very interesting. This is just phase one though, which is only 18 months up until the 2026 season, which where we might see further changes. Um, I mentioned it earlier, we we mentioned obviously York and Cornwall potentially being the two favourites. We mentioned Leeds have got to be up there. Other than like the big five in Super League, so Leeds, Wigan, Saints, Huddersfield and Warrington, and that's my big five really. Um, yeah. just because of the, their on-field performances this year and how their finances sort of go. And you could probably throw Hull, KR in, uh, sorry, Hull FC into there if you sort of want one of the whole teams guaranteed to be in there. You're looking at which teams probably got gets more fans and whatever. You, you probably, obviously, that's yeah. a tough decision to make. But other than those five teams that I mentioned, what sort of teams do you see dropping down out of the top tier into the championship and what championship sides would you like or even league one sides at that would you like to see be given a category a or even a potentially very high category b i mean i have no mind but i just want to see your point of view before i reveal what i think yeah um it's really difficult i think we can make a good case for each one of these teams and i, I think the truth is it's a gamble isn't it we if we get rid of one of these super league teams like an obvious, an obvious Super League team um, that you might say you want to drop down into the Championship. You could say Wakefield because, like on in terms of results, they've they've never really been challenging the top of the table. Like they've kind of always been in that bottom bit. Um, you know, not rarely make the playoffs most of the time, avoiding relegation. Um, in terms of like their stadium, it's it's not like the most up to date. Um, it's a decent size, but it's you know it probably needs updating. Um, geographically, there's plenty of other teams around them, and they don't bring anything unique in terms of that. 
So you'd look, and and I don't think that they've got the biggest following in the league. So you look at them and think they they could go into the championship, but then you run the risk of all those people that are in Wakefield just turning off. Yeah, and you might, you know, a lot of people would say something like, "Oh, let's take down Wakefield and let's put York up there." And I've already said I don't think York's ready, and so I could easily see on paper that makes a lot of sense to an investor. It makes sense. Like geographically, it, it, it's better. It adds a little. Like York is a, a unique city, slightly further away from that like big um, rugby league, like you know, yeah, area. Um, but you might literally turn around and say, instead of having a club that brings twelve hundred at worst, and you're going to bring in a club that regularly brings 400 fans yeah it's not really a, a smart idea so and the same with with hull kr and hull fc the the logical thing to do is to is to maybe combine those clubs like if you could put those two resources together and that whole city followed one club yeah that that would be a real threat to any of the teams in the league like hull's a, a big city that could support a real successful one club. real big club would be ridiculous yeah. wouldn't it it'd, it'd absolutely be crazy yeah you but how do you do like how do you convince these two clubs that have literally sort of existed because so, they hate each other yeah then come together without turning loads of people away you inevitably would do and also like you lose something that's quite unique about hold that if yeah. you do that yeah you definitely so would it's really I, I, it's so difficult like if i could yeah i i don't know I, to, to me personally it makes more sense to bring the turn the super league into a 14 team league because then you can take a bit of a gamble without losing the established clubs that you've got. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's so it's so difficult. I I'd hate to have to make this decision. Um, like a t- like Newcastle feels like a good call. It's a big city. Yeah. It's relatively close without being too far away. But having said that, I, does anybody in Newcastle really care about rugby league? Yeah, is it? Have, they've they've tried it with Gateshead. They sort of tried it with yeah. Newcastle. They've they've gone full time. They've now gone back to part time because they obviously not it's not sustainable enough for them. We've seen London Broncos go back part time for I think it's just this year. I think there may be a call that they're going back. They think there may be an announcement that they're going back to to full time very very soon. Um, just from what you hear around on the grapevine and stuff like that. But th- yeah. these are the teams that I've. I've categorised them in what I think would be A, B, C, and unfortunately there is a team that isn't categorised, and that's West Wales. And I apologise, I just don't, I just don't think. I think that that ship has sailed now. Um, they've been here what five seasons, and they've won maybe two games, three games, um, and yeah. they just don't get the followers that North Wales do. And having one club in Wales is is probably is probably sufficiency. And you you drop West Wales into the conference league and whatever so you don't you don't kick them out of the competition whatever you just drop them down into the conference league and you give them the chance to earn their way back into league one if you open that trap door at the bottom of league one but i think that's something that is coming in it uh, that's hopefully something that i want to see happen in the future i have seven category a teams um they're all current super league sides i've got catalan huddersfield giants hull fc 
Leeds Rhinos, St Helens, Warrington Wolves, and Wigan Warriors. They're they're my category A's. They're my they're my seven teams that are con are always going to be in Super League. Obviously, that may change because obviously they've said once they're category A, it doesn't mean they're going to stay category A. But I think on current like finances and situations on where they are, the stadiums, the players that they have, the the wages that they pay the coaches they have, the structures they have in terms of their academies and the players that they bring in, everything else for me, that is why they're an A. Yeah. Um, my Bs, there's a lot, there's quite a few Bs and there's probably a few teams in B and there's probably a few teams in B and C that you could argue with one or the other, but there's Brad, yeah. there's Bradford Bulls, there's Cast Tigers, Featherstone Rovers, Halifax Panthers, Hull KR, Lee Centurions, London Broncos, Salford Red Devils, Toulouse Olympique, Wakefield Trinity, Witness Vikings, and York City Knights. They're, they're my B-sides. Of those B-sides, I've got Hull KR, Lee Centurions, Salford Red Devils, Toulouse Olympique, and York City Knights as my Super League sides. I've only put that, I put Lee in there because of the way they've played this season, and with them being a Super League side next year, they're likely to have a little bit more finance and the sort of the way they play and everything else, they're going to have a bit more money. To lose, we know how good they are in the championship. Um, if they can stay, if they can be just as competitive and play as well as they did in those games that they played uh, in the Super League where they won this year and sort of retain their thingy, the only reason they're in there is because I don't, I, I don't know if To lose will be able to fulfil that French player thing. Whereas we know mm. that we know Catalans can. They obviously they've always been able to sort of do that, which is quite nice. Teams that miss out that I probably wouldn't mind if they were in there. Widnes, London, Bradford and Halifax. Obviously, personally, I'd like to see Halifax in there. But Widnes, London and Bradford, because they're such massive teams in the world of rugby league that you could go, oh, wow, they're there. Do you know what I mean? They're category B yeah. sides because... And they're category B sides. So if they're in the Super League, oh, my God, imagine... Bradford and Witness and London back in Super League. It feel like the late nineties and the early noughties again, and yeah. when the sport was thriving in Super League, when it when it was first like that first ten years of Super League, when we would go over and play the NRL teams in the World Club Championship and we beat them. Yeah, like that's what it that's what it reminds me of. Bradford have a great academy. Cass have a good academy. Panthers have an academy system. London have a wonderful academy system. Witness bring lads through their academy. It works really well. A team that I've put in a, the C category that I would love them not to be a C would be Sheffield Eagles because mm. of the type of team they are, but we know that they've got problems off the field. Other clubs include Dewsbury, Whitehaven, Keithley, Barrow, Batley, Newcastle, North Wales, Midlands, Hunslet, Doncaster, Rochdale, Swinton, Oldham, Workington, uh, North and and then the rest of the League One clubs. There's so many, and obviously West Wales, like kick them out of the bottom. Like there's not there isn't the room for them. It's like for me that was really difficult because I was like, okay, I can definitely predict what categories they're going to be in, but how yeah. how do you choose which of those Bs go into the Super League and how do you choose which of those Cs go into the Championship? Because in my eyes, my Championship sides would be Midlands, Newcastle, North Wales, Cornwall, along with like. Bradford, Cass, Fev, London, Wakefield, Whitehaven, like, and then just the teams that particular that just that just want to play rugby league that aren't bothered, shove them in League One. Do you know what I mean? Just shove the teams that ain't bothered in League One, because they'll just play rugby league for the sake of it. But they still want that promotion to Championship. 
Do you know what I mean? I think that's the way it should be. And I think Category B teams should be able to play in League One if they want to. They should be able to start in League One if they want to. But I don't know if you agree. He's frozen. He's gone. Do apologise. We'll, we'll be back very, very shortly. Sorry about that little technical glitch, everybody. Um, Discord decided to crash. Um, it's only been a few minutes since I said what I last said, and you guys will be able to know what that was. But just in case uh, Robin missed it, um, my question was, what about if some of the teams that are categorised as B clubs were in sort of League One? We don't know, obviously, how many B clubs there's going to be. Um, but what would you like? Obviously, we know that all the A's are going to be in Super League. They're not going to go down. The highest rated B's are going to be finish off the Super League. Is there going to be enough B's to make a championship? I don't think there is in terms of the teams that I've categorised. Are the B's going to are the B's going to be safe from relegation into the League One? How do you see? How would you like to see that sort of looked at? And how would you like to see that yeah. governed in that sense? I think that makes sense what you're saying. Like the the depending on the numbers, obviously, but you would like to say A cannot be relegated from Super League, B can play in Super League or Championship, but not League One. Yeah, and then C makes up League One. That that sort of makes sense to me. Um, but uh, unless there was a B team that that was happy to be in League One, I don't know why you would be. But yeah, that's what that's what I was thinking. Like if there's so I, I've got. B teams, I've got the ones that aren't in Super League for me are Bradford, Cass, Fev, Halifax, London, Wakefield and Witness. Like there's some teams there like we don't know, should we, might, Sheffield might get one, Newcastle might get one, Midlands might get one. We don't we don't obviously don't know what their situations yeah. are like. Like if Midlands get a category B license and they've got to go to the championship, they're probably not gonna to want to do it because the results on the field are not gonna be up there for them. It's yeah, like do you so know what I mean? for them, I would say to them, Oh, I we're happy with our category B. But we're actually okay. We don't mind being in League One. So can we just stay in League One, please? Like, that would be quite nice for them to just turn around and go, oh, yeah, we'll stay. North Wales are the same. Like, Cornwall might get a B. Or the, Cornwall might get a B and be like, oh, look, we want you to be in Super League. Cornwall in Super League in 2025 is going to be embarrassing for them. It's going to be just yeah. as bad as what it was this year in League One. Like, they're not going to be able to turn over the results on the field that quickly, even with the financial backing that Super League clubs would get. Like, imagine them having to... I know... Catalans would have to pay for it or Toulouse would have to pay for it in the Super League and in Championship but imagine them having to go over to France and Toulouse potentially twice a year yeah like, and, and it's, it's not just like getting the players together is it it's getting all the staff like the coaches and the yeah, um, yeah like all, all the like medics and everything like that like look, you look at like Saints they've got a world class team behind that yeah um, behind the players they've got a world class team behind the world class team do you know yeah, yeah exactly yeah. it's like you can't just like that doesn't just like appear overnight I guess like one one thing that will be interesting to keep an eye on will be how the um, the Dolphins go in, in the NRL next year obviously that's yeah. a club that they've introduced as like, I, like I'm saying team. it with um, speech quotation marks an expansion club yeah even, um, even though it's in Brisbane yeah <laughs> yeah but that's like a team that started from scratch. Um, and obviously they've had like a bit of time to do it and way, way more funding. 
Yeah, I tell um, you what, they've got some bloody good players. Last time we last time we checked yeah. that squad, there wasn't loads of players in that squad. But I'm gonna just just before we sort of move on, I'm gonna name some of those players: JJ Collins, Herman Sasa, Tom Gilbert, Ewan Aitken, Jesse Bromwich, Kenny Bromwich, Brenko Lee, Edric Lee, Connolly Lemelewu, uh, Jeremy Marshall King, Anthony Milford, Mark Nichols, Cody Nikarima, Ray Stone, Jared Wallace, Jermaine Asako, Robert Jennings, Felice Calfusi, and Sean O'Sullivan. Like. There's some teams, there's some players there that there's four Pen, yeah. there's four Penrith players there, two South Sydney players, two Cowboys, two Knights, three from the Storm, three from the Titans. There's a couple from Rugby Union, one from Brisbane, one from Canterbury. Like this is crazy. That's just, that's going to be a nice team just for Wayne Bennett to just go. I right, all right, let's let's go and finish in the playoffs in our first season and just yeah, show, yeah, clubs exactly. how, and show clubs how it's done. And they've got Wayne Bennett as well. Like, yeah, <laughs> Wayne Bennett for what one year, and then they've got Christian Wolf, who we know can do a good job with a team that's already yeah. been put together for him. Not saying he's not he couldn't do he couldn't put, build the team himself. He probably can, but we've seen what a fantastic job he's done at Saints and not done loads of changes for. So yeah, it's very exactly. very interesting to see. Um, another thing the IMG sort of brought out was the calendar aligned with the global game to facilitate an international window in October and incorporate a mid-season international. So what we'll do is the grand finals, I guess, it will be on the same weekend, both NRL Super League, uh, potentially, obviously, Championship and League One. And then we'll probably have a two-week window where we maybe get three international games in, maybe like one on a Friday, one on a Wednesday, one on a Sunday sort of thing. That would be quite nice, wouldn't it? That would be great. Like We've been caught up for ages. Put the four, nation, four nations back in October, November. Like I loved yeah. watching. I went to a doubleheader, I think it was. at uh, might have been at Wembley. There was a double header. I think it was England, Australia, and New Zealand, Wales, or something, or even it might be yeah. New Zealand, Australia, England, Wales, or whatever. But that was a phenomenal thing to go and watch, setting Club Wembley seats and watching two games of rugby league at the highest quality. I that was back in what 2016 or 17. I've not yeah. seen, I've not seen an international game of rugby league other than on the telly, like in person for five years. Yeah, I no, I say that I I. Uh, I saw I saw Jamaica versus England Knights. Oh um, yeah, that, that. I mean yeah, that counts. That definitely counts. But in terms yeah. of in terms of tier one rugby, in terms of tier one yeah. nations, I've not seen a. I've only seen no. one tier one versus tier one fixture in my life. Like to be able to access more international games, whether it be mid season or in October, that'd be absolutely fantastic. So and, and nothing is better at, at drawing the attention of complete newbies mm-hmm. like an international fixture people will watch that if, even if it's nothing to do with sport in general yeah. so that's why it's so important that we we integrate it into our calendar and it becomes more regular and i think having it in october times like good that makes sense for our season but i think as well that sort of mid-season um game hopefully will like help grab some people I think it would also allow the Super League players to play for their clubs over the Southern Hemisphere. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, I I think that would be good. I think it would be a good break. I know know we don't have it, so it's difficult for me to say I like the idea of it, but I do hear a lot of football fans, like, cursing the international break and they just can't wait for the Premier League to start again. So, I guess we've we've got to try and... I also think that's because they have so many of them. 
Delayed. It, it, it breaks up their season quite often, and obviously this year there's the World Cup, so they're gonna have six weeks of no no club football. And over Christmas, like Boxing, I think the Boxing Day is the first game back, I believe, after the World Cup, which that's that's massive because obviously it's such a big game. But usually they'd yeah. have they'd have like I think it's seven league games in December. Like you're only getting two this year. Like wow. it's like so that that is a massive change for them. Um, one other thing was operations for the uh, ING have said the operations to be centra- centralized where this can maximise efficiencies and drive incremental revenue. So, like the NRL... That means redundancies. <laughs> yeah, it means, one, it means redundancies, but it also means that the NRL, the way the NRL run their tickets, if you want a ticket to the game, you get it through the NRL website. Do you know what I mean? You don't get it through... Ah, uh, yeah, that you, makes sense. Yeah, that's how, you, that's how it comes through. You get all your tickets through the NRL website, whether that be for internationals, whether it be for games, whatever you want. That's where you, everything goes through the NRL. Uh, I mean, it's quite a good idea, like you say, maximise efficiency. Yeah, so money, um, the money I guess goes it would standardise prices as well, which yeah. is a bit better for the buyer. Yeah. So very, very interesting to see. There is a, a follow-up meeting on October the 13th for all clubs and IMG, uh, where the clubs will have the opportunity to provide further feedback and support will be sought to enable the Rugby League executive and IMG to work on the detail of the recommendations. This work will sit alongside other work streams being led by the IMG and other parts of the Endeavour network to maximise the maximal potential, the commercial potential of the sport and build deeper relationships with fans and new audiences. These include content production and innovation, domestic and international distribution of media rights, digital transformation powered by IMG's digital sports arm Seven League, uh, and brand strategy developed by Endeavour's cultural marketing agency 160 over 90, streaming through Endeavour's OTT platform Endeavour Streaming and Data Collection, betting product development and streaming rights via its sports data and betting technology business IMG Arena. For me, what I read mostly about that is mainly on the betting side of it is we're going to get more in-game stuff for betting. Like like very much football is very much in-game. We're going to get a hell of a lot more in-game betting in term, uh, for especially over in the in the UK. Sort of like they do over in Australia where uh, I think it's points bet or sports bet or whatever it is are massive over there with their in-game stuff. It's going to be the same yeah. over here. And that's all to drive revenue then because the yeah. betting companies will pay for that. Yeah, to be the first of it and stuff. Yeah, that's what that's how I see it as well. Um, we I, were we sorry, quickly gone. Well, I was going to say, I, I it makes sense. I, I kind of I, I kind of like that because I think that um, it just adds another element that to bring enjoyment to watching the sport, doesn't it? Like if you can yeah. have a little bet in it, you're a bit more invested. And yeah, I like I, I like that. That's smart. Yeah, we were going to go through the World Cup groups A through to D, but we're going to. Uh, just because of the length of this podcast already, we're going to do a World Cup special next week. Whether it's all three of us or whether it's just me and Robin, we're going to dive dive deep into each of the teams next week just because of the timing that, that we've got tonight and everything else. Um, but we are going to yeah. mention the England squad. I think we really need to, to sit down and break that apart. Obviously, yeah. captain by Sam Tompkins. The first two names on the list after Sam Tompkins, Andy Ackers and Joe Batchelor, followed by John Bateman, Tom Burgess, Mike Cooper, Herbie Farnworth, Ryan Hall, Chris Hill, Morgan Knowles, Matty Lees, Tommy Makinson, Michael McAlorum, Mike McMeekin, Mikolai Oledsky, Kai Pierce-Paul, Victor the Inflictor, Radley, Mark Sneed, Luke Tom- Thompson, Callum Watkins, Jack Wellesby, Elliot Whitehead, George Williams and Dom Young. 
these are before we go into the the sort of the team and the eight because it's, it's eighteen man squads in the World Cup with like head injury changes and stuff. So there'll always be eighteen named. Um, yeah. The players that haven't made the squad, whether through injury or just not being picked or whatever, mainly injury. Um, no Mark Percival, no Johnny Lomax, no Alex Wormsley, um, no Harry Newman and no Jackson Hastings. Five really big names there. Obviously no George Burgess because of just the way he's played this year, not fit enough. Uh, obviously Sam Tompkins is retired now. No James Graham, he's retired. James Roby's retired. Um, do you know what I mean? There's some players there that if the World Cup was last year, I think we'd be looking at going, oh, wow, he'd have definitely played last year. Like James Roby, if the World Cup wasn't delayed, probably would have played last year. Yeah, I think we would have had a stronger squad last year. That's definitely yeah. true. So it's yeah. quite it's quite sad. Obviously, there's no outstanding, in my opinion, we haven't got an outstanding hooker. Um, we haven't, we've got quite poor halfback options other than obviously Wellsby and Williams that are going to likely start. Um, for me, it's quite simple. You look at this team and you go, "Yeah, this I know what my one to eighteen is going to be, or my one to seventeen at least." Uh, Sam Tompkins will captain the side at fullback, or even in the halves with Wellsby at fullback. Either way round, I think that's okay. Um, Dom Young and Tommy Makinson, Herbie Farmworth and Callum Watkins in the wings. George Williams will obviously be, be your other halfback. The front row, I've got Luke Thompson and Matty Leeds to start with Victor Radley at hooker just because I've seen him play there a few times and I know he can do a good job. Uh, John Bateman and Whitehead in the second row with Morgan Knowles at loose forward. Mickey McAlorum, Tom Burgess, Mikolai Lezky and Joe Batchelor on the bench with Kai Pierce-Paul as the 18th man, only because he can offer multiple position cover if there is head injuries. He's the only reason he's the yeah. 18th man. For me, Andy Ackers, Mark Sneed, um, Mike Cooper, Ryan Hall, Chris Hill and Mike McMeekin probably don't play much rugby in this World Cup, but only maybe against Greece to rest some players if we beat Samoa. If we don't beat Samoa, we put our strongest team out against Greece and we have to wipe them off the floor. Like we yeah. have to we have to wipe the floor with them. Do you know what I mean? We have it's a very easy team it's a very easy squad squad to pick from that squad. Mm. I'm looking at this team and I'm thinking like where is everyone? <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. Like what like re like I don't want to you know, be a downer, but God, this is a bad team. This is not a strong England side. I really don't feel positive for our chances in the World Cup. No, it, it's really scary. Like a year ago, we were going, oh, wow, there's some players here that should be yeah. playing. Um, Lewis Dodd, um, I wish he was fit because he'd have been in that team, in my opinion. Liam Marshall was missed mm -hmm. out. Um, there's, there's players there that would have played. Yeah. I, I mean. I'll be honest, like Michael McLaurin, I never, re I don't think we've spoken about him once. Like, why is, is Paul McShane injured? Because I still would have taken Paul McShane ahead of. Um, what about Cruz Leeming? Yeah, Cruz Leeming. Like. Yeah, Cruz Leeming's had a fantastic year for Leeds. He's not, yeah. even, he's not in that squad and he's not injured, in my opinion. I know we were like, I wouldn't take him, but if he's the best option you've got, you take him. Andy Akers has yeah. had a phenomenal year, don't get me wrong, but. I don't know if he... I know he can play 80 minutes, but I'd rather play Victor Radley at nine because I know he's going to offer me something that Akers can't. Yeah. That's just the way it. I see it anyway. Like, I, I'm not... I, I'm not feeling optimistic with this team. Um, yeah, I mean, I, just like on Johnny Lomax, like, he he had a, an awesome grand final, didn't he? And, um, yeah. 
I, I actually wasn't playing. Yeah, and it's such a shame because he would have like this if he could have made it. I think he would have actually done well this year in the World Cup. I feel like he's he's been building as a player. Yeah, uh, I actually I wanted to mention this earlier because I remember one of the shows. It was this year. Or it was last year, and we were talking about the England squad and we we're talking about Lomax. And I remember saying like, you know, when are we going to see the best of him? Like he's had a lot of injuries and. He's played in this like mint saint side that at times I felt like it's carried him. And I, and when we were watch, watching the grand final the other night, and I was thinking like, this is it. This is actually the best Johnny Lomax. Like he's he's playing awesome and yeah. Like he, he seems like really in control and it, it just everything's going right for him. And and I remember thinking at the time like, I'd be good if he was in, in our World Cup team because we we really could do with a, an organizer like that. Yeah, man of the match as well in the final. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like. like he, He's just risen and risen, and now his forms are, and everything's lining up for him. Like in his, and I'm talking across his whole career as well, not just like the last couple of like seasons. Uh, yeah, it's a shame that we don't have him. And I read somewhere someone was sort of saying, um, you like, you know, is this a sign that the Super League's too long? There's too many fixtures. All these back to back weekends, like the Easter bank holiday and stuff. Like, yeah. is it too much? Because we're, we're missing Dodd, we're missing Lomax, we're missing Wormsley. All these players that, like you said, would have been in the starting 13. Yeah. They're all injured. It's scary, isn't it? Like, I mean, Lewis Dodd, if it wasn't, even if he wasn't picked for England because Lomax, Williams, and Welsby were there and whatever, he still goes and plays for Wales. But obviously, he's not even going to be in that Wales yeah. squad because he's injured. So that's another player that Wales have, have missed out on. We were talking about earlier in the year, I mean, Mc, Jermaine McGilvery retired halfway through the season. Gareth Widdops retired from International Rugby League. James Roby retired from International Rugby League. We were talking about wingers that go to this World Cup. And yeah, we had Makinson in there. But Hanley's not there. No. But Hanley and Marshall, two of the top try scorers this year, not in the team. Like I don't yeah. know if I don't know if Hanley's injured. I don't know if he picked up a knock during the the final, but why is he not there? Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and Marshall's like, I think he's had a great year actually. I, 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 I've, I've, he's another player that I remember saying I don't really rate him, but I was totally wrong. Like he, he's, he's, um, he's one of those players that makes opportunities happen around him. Like he, he finds yeah. the ball, he finds space, and it's, it's, it's exactly what you want from a winger, like an, an opportunist, um, yeah. on form seems to be playing well yeah yeah strange that you would take like I, like don't get me wrong ryan hall's got history we know he was a great player and yeah but while, like over the last couple of years i i don't think he's um like it, an england standard like why do you know what i mean look to the yeah. future look to these like younger guys that are like at the top of of the competition and playing well like bagging loads of tries and picking up like man of the match performances I haven't seen that from Ryan Hall in a, a long time like probably since he left Leeds and that yeah. like it literally it must have been about five years ago yeah it, it's really you're looking at this and you're looking at like Ash Hanley makes an average of 16 carries a game he makes an average of 148 metres a game Jake Connor's got 33 assists this season 
Danny Houghton makes 40, 43 tackles a game. Joe Westerman makes 34. Paul McShane makes 34. They're really solid in the middle, but they might not obviously offer anything in, in that sense. It's, it's quite scary. You're looking at top try scorers. Makinson, Marshall, Daryl Olfords and Ash Handley are the top four. Joe Burgess is... Uh, Lewis Murphy's 17. Joe Burgess is 15. Chris McQueen hasn't made the squad. We were talking... Oh, is he going to make the squad this yeah. year? Ryan Hall's only scored 14 tries. Liam Farrell's another one who's injured, hasn't made the squad. Like, oh yeah, of course. There's so many players that we would that we were talking about six uh, six weeks ago, seven weeks ago, privately going, oh, we, if, like Jake Connor. In my opinion, Jake Connor should be there ahead of Sneed. Yeah, totally. Like, I don't think McShane, anybody McShane would potentially ahead of Ackers. Like the fact that Ackers and Sneed are in there, it looks me going, why is why like, this is bad. Like, don't get me wrong, Mark. We know Mark Sneed is a good player, but why? He's not good enough to play in a World Cup. He's not. No. Gonna, he's not going to win a World Cup for it. If he does, I'll. I will buy a Mark Sneed shirt and I'll buy a life size <laughs> Mark Sneed poster to put on my wall. If he if he wins England the World Cup, then fine. Then I'll accept it. But I don't think he's good enough. I just don't know. Like Toby sat what? there laughing, going, "This Wales team is better than this." Like I don't know Oliver Gildart in the squad either. Yeah, good point. I know he hasn't played a lot this year, but he's going to offer more in the centres than probably Kai Pierce Paul is. I just don't really get it. I I, I don't see where Sean Wayne and he's picked you know he's got from. that NRL experience behind him now. He's yeah. he's going to be like up to the physicality to, to face those top teams. Yeah, Thompson Luke Thompson's not played a lot because Canterbury didn't make the finals. Funny fact. Oh, I had a wee next to Luke Thompson at Old Trafford. Ah. <laughs> at the final, he was there watching the final. Um, but yeah, like he, he looks fit, he looks ready to go. So I, I think <laughs> in the forwards, I think we, we haven't got a problem in terms of eight, in terms of prop second row, back row. I don't think we've got a problem. We've got a forward pack that will will fate, will will beat anyone. We've got a starting halfback, fullback spine that will be a problem for any team. We just don't have the depth that mm. Australia and New Zealand and Samoa have, and I'm sorry. Yeah, and we, I'm sorry, we're gonna we're gonna get beat by Samoa in in Newcastle. Yeah, I think we are. I I think we're gonna get beat by Samoa, and we I'd love to see where that puts us out for the finals. But I can see us getting this being a worse World Cup for a long time. I, think, I, I genuinely can see us not even making the semi-finals because 100%. The, there's more than three teams better than us this year. Yeah, I'm just trying to see where if we finish second, we have to, who we face. Oh, it's group, isn't it? Group D winner. Is it Group D winner, which is Tonga? So we might Tonga. get we might get lucky because that Tonga team is not isn't the strongest of the Tonga sides that could have been selected. There's quite a few lads that have missed out in in the Tonga selection that. Like yeah, Ag- Ag- there's no Ignatius Parsi in that side, which is shocked me. I thought he was guaranteed a spot, especially with Christian yeah. Wolf and Saints. But you look at that side, and there's Tonga, Cook Islands, and PNG. Like that's not the strongest. That's, that's not the strongest group. We're quite lucky that that's not the strongest group in the world. In in the World Cup, if, if we were in, if yeah. this was an away World Cup and we were in Group B, and we had to face New Zealand, like do you know, if we had to face one of New Zealand mm. or Australia, then we're going to struggle. I think we're lucky that we've got. Samoa and we're going to beat we can beat France and Greece I think even finishing second we'll be okay to make a semi-final no because I don't think that we'll I, I genuinely don't think that we've got enough to beat that Tonga side even though it's not the strongest Tonga side you know it's not as good as the team that we saw 
a couple of years ago. So I think do you know uh, do you know what makes I think do you know what makes us get ahead of the Tonga squad yeah. is they don't have halfbacks. They don't have the quality of halfback really that England do in terms of starting. Yeah, but look, I'm not gonna lie. Like Lola here could play for England. Like, oh, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? I, oh I yeah, Lola here over match. Yeah, um, obviously no Katoni Stags in that team. Um, who else have they got? Uh, Felice Calfusi turned his back on Australia. Um, David Fafita's in there. Christian Tuipulotta, Sateli Tupanua, um, Tuilola Hea, Conrad Hurrell, Will Hopawate. Uh, Joe Arthur Hengawi uh, has not been selected. Um, yeah, I mean, I look at it and I go, yeah, it's really strong. But I don't, I mean, Jason Tamalolo is going to miss all the group games. That's massive for Tonga. Mm. That's huge because the PNG, Wales and Cook Islands are going to put up a fight. Like That's going to be, a, whoever finishes second in that group, I don't know. I think it's probably going to be probably PNG. But if, if one of them, other teams has an off day, there's always a shock in international rugby. Um, I think in terms of their their forward pack, they'll be fine. But Tessie knew at fullback potentially. Um, they've they've got very very good forwards, but I think they'll struggle in terms of the backs. I think we'll get, that's where we'll beat them if we have to face them. But then I also hope that we win the win the group, get an easy quarter final, and then we go and lose to one of Australia and New Zealand in the semis. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Oh. I I I've, I wish I could be all positive and you know put a nice spin on it, but I'm really disappointed with this. If we yeah, this if move. we if we lose, but then win a quarter final. So if we finish runner up in Group A, and then win, we face the winner of quarter final two, which is oh wait no, we wouldn't. We're in the opposite side of the draw. So even if we finish second and beat Tonga, yeah. say if we then play Tonga in the quarter final. We play the winner of quarterfinal four, which is the runner-up of Group D versus. So we'd have then play Samoa again in the semi-finals. So we still wouldn't meet Australia or New Zealand until the final. Wow, that is some RFL trickery, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that is. So quarterfinal one is the winner of B versus the runner-up of C. So it's going to be Australia versus probably Ireland. I quite like the look of the Ireland squad. Or maybe Lebanon. That's going to be quite close. Ireland or Lebanon, right? So Australia yeah. is Australia versus Ireland or Lebanon in quarterfinal one. Quarterfinal two is, in my opinion, going to be Samoa versus the Cook Islands or PNG. Or probably mm. P I'll go PNG on that one. Um, quarterfinal three is going to be New Zealand versus probably Fiji. Yeah, Fiji. Yeah, Fiji. And then it'll be Tonga versus England so you're going to get you're going to get semi-final one will be Australia versus New Zealand and semi-final B will be Samoa versus England or Tonga like the fact you're England yeah. England New Zealand is going to be that sorry Australia New Zealand is going to be one of the is going to be the semi-final that I'm going to go to I'll, I'll, I'll take that I don't mind nice. <laughs> I don't mind that at all that's that's ridiculous how have they managed that they that <laughs> that isn't fair, is it? They should. They should. I think quit. it's. I think it's to stop teams from the same group making the final. Yeah, what's that, wrong with that? I don't know. It's just it's just the way it always works, isn't it? The, mm. the group from the same team will teams will never make the final. It's just the way it is. It's sort of tiered, isn't it? It's ranked. So yeah, 
That's crazy. Your, your, your semi-finals are going to be Australia versus New Zealand and then England or Samoa versus Tonga. Oh, sorry, England or Tonga versus Samoa. I would love to see Australia, New Zealand, Samoa, Tonga, because <laughs> Samoa, Tonga is a rivalry. Yeah, imagine Australia, that. New Zealand's a rivalry. Imagine... Like that. That and would be awful. And England, then also imagine Australia going and losing to Tonga in the World Cup final. Like that would be absolutely mental. I don't. I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't as, if we don't win it, as long as it's not Australia, I don't care. Yeah, that, Do you know what I, I mean, mean, I really don't care. Honestly, I kind of feel like I don't want it to be New Zealand either. Just like let's have someone else take yeah, the crown. Yeah, definitely. Um, just in terms of the England squad, obviously Jake Connor thirty-three assists, Jack Wellsby twenty-seven assists. Um, when you drop a bit further down, George Williams has got 21. Harry Smith, I think, really unlucky not to be in any World Cup squad um, with, tw with 20 assists, six tries, and very, very decent kicking. I believe he's eligible to play for Wales. Really? Oh. Yeah, and they haven't, they, oh. he's not had the, the call up, which I'm pretty sure I read somewhere he could play for Wales in that he can play for things. So very, very yeah. interesting. But we'll go we'll have a really, really deep dive into um sort of who can play for who um when it comes out. I'm just trying to find the he can play for website. I've got the Twitter but I don't want the Twitter. I just want their website. Oh here we go. He can play for uh let's go to Wales. Oh Jesus, here we go. Wales. Uh, Caleb Aikens, Reach Atmosphere, Reese James obviously can't play for them. Uh, halfbacks, Lewis Dodd, Josh Ralph, Fraser Stroud, Kobe Green, Jaden Millard, Elliot Jenkins. Oh no, it, was, it mustn't have been. Um, it just mustn't have been Wales then. It must have been someone else. But yeah, I'm pretty sure he was in yeah. one of the one of the the squads. But there's some players that haven't made like the Scotland squad for example like Campbell Graham hasn't made the Scotland squad because he's going to be playing for um, Australia Stephen Crichton can't play in the Scotland squad because he's playing for Samoa which is ridiculous by the way two tiers like imagine he didn't get in the Samoa squad he'd be playing for Scotland he was guaranteed a World Cup spot no matter what really wouldn't he like, yeah. it, it's, it's quite scary to see but like I said next week we'll go through groups A to D um, and we'll do our, our set of six for six of the opening weekend fixtures uh, or the first six games of the World Cups because obviously we need to make it as we need to try and pick six games that will get done before we next record. Um, Toby, thank you very much for joining. Sorry, Robin, thank you very much for joining me. Toby, sort your life out, mate. Come on. Um, it's World Cup time soon. We need you. Um, set of six results, by the way. Robin, you're on 80. I'm on 78 and Toby's on 74. So it's still very much anyone's wow. game coming up to the last month of the year so the best month of the year the best month of the year yeah apart from the first month of every season definitely um love but, it but yeah um england play fiji in a world cup warm-up this friday i believe yeah. or saturday um and also there is the conference league so uh, national conference league premier division playoff final between west hull and hundle at club parkside this weekend so good luck to both of those teams uh, this has been the Biff Rugby League podcast brought to you by Swinging Arms and Shoulder Charges. And we'll be back next weekend for a big, big Rugby League Men's World Cup Tournament Special with Women's World Cup and Wheelchair Tournament Specials to follow. Thank you very much for joining me, Robin. I'll see you next week.